Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Zarka Nawaz, author of the new novel, Jamila Green Ruins Everything. Pop Sugar wrote, Jamila Green Ruins Everything by Zarka Nawaz is a deliciously dark comedy that takes on Americans' foreign policy in the Middle East, the links people are willing to go to for success, and one woman's search for meaning. Zarka also created the world's first sitcom about a Muslim community living in the West. Little Mosque on the Prairie premiered to record ratings on the CBC in 2007. Its 91st episode aired in 2012 after completing six seasons, and it's now being broadcast to over 60 countries. Zarka, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Jamila Green Ruins Everything, how would you describe the novel? Well, I mean, it's a different type of novel in the sense that it has a lot of different layers for different people. Um, It's a very personal novel. It's about loss and faith and disappointment and belief Um, on a, on a, you know, action adventure category. It's about botched American foreign policy in Muslim lands and how it's led to terrible consequences like the existence of terrorist groups. Um, and it's about a woman's you know, attempt to heal herself and recover from a terrible tragedy in her past. And so it's a multi-layered comedy on a lot of different, you know, places. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Jamila Green Ruins Everything? I think it was 2014 and ISIS had emerged and everybody in the newspapers were just saying, oh, well, Muslims, this is what they do. They joined jihadist radical groups and tried to destroy the world. And I was like, no, (laughs) there's more to this. I think that people aren't understanding the origins of this group and what caused them to emerge. And then I started doing a lot of research and uh, into the background, and it emerged that you know there were the two Gulf Wars, particularly the second one in two thousand and three, where President Bush had insisted that Iraq had weapons of mass mass destruction, <clears throat> had gone in with the help of the UK and bombed smithereens, bombed Iraq to smithereens, and killed like a million people or displaced them and injured them and basically destroyed a country. And there were no weapons of mass destruction. It was illegal, just as illegal as um, Putin's invasion of Ukraine. But because they're Muslims, there's this sense of, well, they're probably evil, bad people, and they deserve it. And there wasn't really any global outrage the way we see now with Ukraine. And I feel that no one really cares when it comes to Muslims being hurt or bombed or destroyed. Um, We have always been seen as evil and, and people to be mistrusted. Um, you know, dehumanized and stereotyped for centuries in the media. So I thought the only way to get around it is through comedy and to get people to think that they're enjoying a beach read, which essentially they are. And they get little pieces of background and history and context of what happened in that war and what what type of dysfunction it caused in societies. And that was my impetus for the book. Well, uh, you you mentioned the U.S. foreign policy in Iraq, and and oftentimes when you um, see a book that that handles Middle East policy or U.S. foreign policy, they tend to be written about in in serious terms. Did you find it difficult to to write it as a comedy or sat- satire? No, because I, I I write comedy, and it's it's um it's the way I communicate, and so. 
to me, writing comedy was the easy part. Making things more serious was hard. <laughs> and so I needed help getting people to help me make it more serious. So it wasn't just very, you know, reflective and full of jokes. And <clears throat> it wasn't, you know, being superficial and lighthearted and didn't take things more seriously. So I remember having to hire editors who would help me do that because I tend to be very flippant about things. <laughs> and I had to kind of ground this book and character and story. And that was really hard. So the comedy was the easiest part. The serious part was the hard part. Well, I'm I'm curious, what was your initial creative journey that led you to creating your TV show, Little Mosque on the Prairie? I had moved from Toronto to Saskatchewan, which is up above North Dakota. <clears throat> and the whole idea of being a fish out of water, what would it be like to run a mosque? if you come from somewhere far away and you have this elitist Eastern, you know, mentality to you and you need to be humbled, you know, by living somewhere smaller and more rural. And I felt like that would be a great impetus for a television show. <clears throat> so that was the idea. The Imam came from Toronto. He's a lawyer and he thinks he knows everything and he can turn this mosque around. And in fact, he gets schooled instead. And it's, you know, that was the idea of it. It aired around the world. It's currently airing, um, on Amazon Prime, if people are interested in watching it. That's great. Well, what was your writing process when you were working on this novel? Did you write a detailed outline before you began writing, or did you just dive into the narrative? No, I never write outlines. I just start, and I never know what the book is going or how it's going to end. It's a more difficult and challenging way of writing, and it takes much longer because you'll find yourself you know, getting into a lot of plot problems. And so you have to work them out on your own because you hadn't worked them out earlier. But I also feel in some ways <clears throat> it makes for a stronger book because like if I was going to outline it, I think people could pretty much figure out what the story would be about because they would follow my school of thought. Whereas I, since I didn't have a school of thought or a line of thought, I should say, it meanders. And so it surprises and it goes places that surprise people because it even surprised me because I hadn't seen it coming. And I feel like it makes up for a more inventive um, and fun journey in writing when when the author themselves didn't know where the book was going. That's great. Are you working on another novel now? No, I'm working on a television series. I um, for on CBC Gem, which is just available in Canada. I made a comedy, a short form comedy about a Muslim woman whose ex husband. Um, tells everyone he's getting remarried to like a young hot yoga instructor and everyone's like oh good for you nice upgrade and she gets upset and she tells everyone well i'm coming to the wedding with my boyfriend brian the brain surgeon who doesn't exist and now she has to find him <clears throat> it's a comedy about how she's trying to upset her ex so i made that and that's currently streaming on cbc gem in canada soon it will be in the u.s it's not available yet i have to sell it to um a streamer. And that's, that's a process because the show just came out in Canada. So hopefully that'll come out and it's called Zarka, which is, which is essentially my first name. And no, I'm not divorced. And it's not autobiographical at all. <laughs> that's great. Well, the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels or screenplays? Mm-hmm. The hardest part of writing is just writing, just sitting down and beginning and being consistent and doing it every day and not giving up, not being discouraged. And to get something done. And then and then my advice is to reach out for help if you are having trouble. Like I, I was having a lot of trouble with this novel. <clears throat> so I hired, first I had friends look at it. And then eventually, it got, as it got more polished, I hired editors to help me read it and evaluate it and figure out what was wrong with it. <clears throat> Until finally, one editor said, okay, I think this is ready. You should give it back to your agent. And I did. And she sent it out into the world and it was immediately snapped up by two publishers, one in the U S and one in Canada. So I feel like the advice is you just have to do it and and start. The hardest part is starting and being confident and just go for it. It doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, that's not the point of writing. The writing is to be authentic and be real and to get it out. And then you can get, you know, readers later. That's great. Well, what books or TV shows or movies have you enjoyed recently? I'm reading Clara and the Sun, I believe that's the name. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read The Farm, um, Min Jin Lee's Pachinko. Those are amazing books. The Hate You Give. Uh, what am I watching? I finished this really interesting vampire series called Irma Vep on HBO, <laughs> which is really interesting. I'm watching Paper Girl, Paper Girls right now on... Amazon. I loved the Muslim Ms. Marvel. That was amazing. There's so much on television. It's just unending. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel like we're living in a golden age. Yeah. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novel? Um, I'm online. I'm on Twitter, um, at Zarka Nawaz, on Instagram, The Rail Zarka on Facebook, um, Zarka Nawaz. And I'm pretty easy to reach. I, I answer people's queries if they reach out to me via my social media. And I love to talk a lot. I love to talk to people about my work. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Zarka Nawaz, author of the new novel, Jamila Green Ruins Everything. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And as she mentioned earlier, her TV series, Little Mosque on the Prairie, is airing and available on Amazon Prime. And Zarka, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Maybe the prayers had finally worked. Jamila scanned the growing crowd in the New York Public Library's sixth floor. She was impressed. Her publicist, Arlene Baker, waved. 
She had on her uniform, a powder blue pantsuit last seen on Hillary Clinton or Chairman Mao. Jamila waved back. Great crown, gushed Arlene as she tottered up to Jamila in matching heels, windmilling her arms to maintain her balance. She air-kissed Jamila with her perfect raspberry pout. Jamila wondered how her lipstick never came off. Maybe it was tattooed on. I haven't seen a book launch this big in a while, Arlene said. And I've been to two others already this week. I know why they're here, said Jamila. I've been trying something new. What? Praying. Jamila hadn't prayed since Jamal, but now there was something she needed badly. After decades of work, Jamila had finished her memoir. She looked up, trying to find God in the tin-stamped ceiling. Remember what we talked about, she thought. You will make my book go right to the top of the New York Times bestseller list, like you do for all the white people you love so much. J.K. Rowling, Margaret Atwood, or even better, Malcolm Gladwell. That guy doesn't need any more number one books. And he has enough hair on his head to stuff a whole pillow. Do any of those people even believe in you? Probably not. In the Quran, Prophet Solomon asked for a kingdom greater than anyone's before or after. Plus, to talk to animals. And you gave it to him. So now it's my turn. I want a literary career greater than anyone else's. I don't want to talk to ants or anything. Unless they know how to order a book from Amazon. So that's it. Immortal literary success. If you need to send me a sign, use a grilled cheese sandwich. That's what you do for Christians, right? Arlene touched Jamila's arm and brought her back to earth. That's so funny, sweetie. I thought you said praying. (laughs) So much press here. So fantastic. And your mom and her friends came too. How sweet. Jamila turned to see her mother, Nusrat, arriving with five of her Pakistani friends, all wearing bright, jewel-toned shalwar kameezes. She acknowledged them with a curt nod, her right hand in her jacket pocket, rubbing the blue marble prayer beads her brother, Jamal, had given her as a child. People streamed in by the dozens. She should have tried praying long ago. Who knew God could be so responsive? But then, Courtney Leland entered. Jamila froze. The familiar chill of dread ran up her spine, even after all these years. Why was that woman here? Oh no. Suddenly, it made sense why people were rushing to get front row seats. Jamila clutched her prayer beads so tightly her fingers hurt. Fear and anxiety sparked through her body. She was instantly transported back to high school, a time when she and her mother had constantly fought over her clothing choices. She was forced to wear pants under her dresses, and any hairstyle besides pigtails was deemed too alluring. If Anne of Green Gables had been brown with a unibrow and a mustache, Jamila would have been her doppelganger. During that tumultuous period, her brother had convinced her to join the yearbook staff to gain experience as a writer and develop confidence. By her senior year, she had become editor of the school yearbook and eked out a niche for herself until Courtney joined the team and, like a black hole, absorbed all whose eyes gazed upon her. In that year's yearbook, their group photograph featured a smiling Courtney standing in the front of everyone, hands on hips, partly blocking Jamila's face. The caption, editor, was typed under her photo. She looked exactly the same now as she had back then, maybe a bit thinner and blonder. 
Her clothing choices perhaps had become more cutting edge. She wore knee-high black suede boots with stiletto heels over black leggings, a mini skirt, and an orange jacket with metal zippers everywhere. It looked like she'd just thrown the outfit together, but Jamila could tell that it was all high-end designer. I'm not in high school anymore. I'm an accomplished woman. Please, everyone, look at me, she thought. The camera swung toward Courtney. Arlene came and sat beside a devastated Jamila. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.